When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Welcome to a bonus episode of West of Westeros, Entertainment Weekly's Game of Thrones podcast. I'm Nick Romano, a senior editor here at EW, and joining me is a very, very special guest. Like, honestly, I'm I'm just so thrilled to have this person here with me. It's been a very long time. Just kidding. It's Lauren Morgan, who's been <laughs> who's been co-hosting this podcast with me since the very beginning. Lauren, are I can't kind of can't believe we're talking about House of the Dragon again. How are you feeling? I I it's it's like a blast from the past, you know. It's been it's been a while since we've it's been a while since I even have, a, have had a chance to talk to you because we've just been texting. So, but talking about House of the Dragon, it's it's been quite a while since we've I think it's been almost a year, hasn't it? I know. It's been a long time, um, and we're calling this a bonus podcast episode because we're te- technically in our off-season. West of Westeros won't formally return until next year, closer to when House of the Dragon Season 2 premieres in the summer. However, as Lauren and I have been texting about <laughs> all weekend, um, out of the Brazil Comic-Con known as CCXP this weekend... We got a first look at the next batch of eight episodes in the form of a trailer, some new photos to go along with it, and some new casting confirmations. So we decided to reconvene our little small council and kind of dig into everything, break down some of the secrets that maybe have been overt and obvious to you all, and maybe some that weren't so obvious. Um, Lauren, my first question for you, what do you think are kind of the big takeaways for you after watching this first trailer? Uh, I think I know. Remember, in the first season, people were complaining that there wasn't as much action as the various Game of Thrones seasons. But now, baby, we are in the time of the Dance of the Dragons, and this is gonna start getting bloody, and <laughs> there's gonna be a lot more action in it. So, if you thought the first season, I know we had a lot of time jumps in the first season. You know, uh, I know some. I remember some people complaining about some pacing stuff, but this is going to be battles, 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 betrayals, all sorts of stuff. So this is going to be. Um, I think this is probably going to be pretty. Uh, I hate to say rock'em sock'em, but that's the only term that I'm coming in right now. I know. Oh, it's it's. I mean, Allison said it best. You know, the war will be fought, many will die, yeah. <laughs> and the victor will eventually ascend the throne. Um, interesting enough, though. So I attended an event um, at HBO headquarters in New York City um, in November. I know, very fancy. This was with a bunch of other press, and the whole point was to kind of preview HBO's 2024 season. Um, and we got a look at House of the Dragon season two footage in the form of a. Tra- trailer that Ryan Condal just kind of whipped up for the room. Um, and it was very different from this oh, really? trailer that we got. Um, I am I'm not at liberty to talk about what I saw because I had to kind of promise in advance I wouldn't before I got to screen it. Um, but I think like you mentioned time jumps and everything in season one. I think 
I would be surprised if we got as many time jumps in this current season. It, it looks like everything is picking up right after the season one finale and kind of really digging into, you know, the aftermath of Lucerus's death and all of that. Um, do you think we're going to get many time jumps this season? What do you think? I don't think this season, but there uh, there are a couple of characters who are very important that we have not really we've sort of just seen as background characters, and they are they need to be aged up for sort of the rest of uh, sort of the sort of second half of this plotline to kick into effect. So I am curious if uh, there is going to be a jump later on. I don't really think there's going to be this one because right now we're kind of getting into the meat of the of the battle between the blacks and the greens. And so it's it's I don't think there's going to be that as, as far as I understand, like they could always change it because they did change some stuff uh, in the first season from what was in Fire and Blood. Uh, but I think it's probably going to be running pretty straight through. Like it, it seems like that to me. What do you think? Yeah, I yeah, I, I I really agree with everything that you just said. Um, also, like we don't know how many seasons House of the Dragon is going to be running yeah. for, at least in terms of this. I mean, they've talked about you know maybe expanding this into an anthology show. So at least just in terms of the Dance of the Dragon seasons. Um, so I I mean I I'm kind of very interested to see how they kind of handle season two, and also it kind of filmed during the writers' strike. Um, just because of various technicalities, you know, the show was under contract with Equity, which is the UK union. And yeah, versus... they didn't. They weren't. They weren't under SAG rules, so they were one of the only people who the one of the only shows that could keep shooting because everyone else pretty much had to stop. I think. Yeah. Although I think uh, just to talk about the other podcast, I uh, I think Andor kept shooting for a, a fairly long time because I think they were under Equity rules as well. Yeah, and I'm kind of interested in that regard to see how season two shapes out because because of the, you know, it's under equity and the mm-hmm. SAG writers weren't technically allowed to continue working on it. It kind of meant that they had to stick with the script that yeah, they had. Yeah, they, they can't really... <laughs> I mean, I don't know if uh, people are aware, and some people might be aware, that there's a lot of sort of writing that goes on while you're shooting and in post-production and with, like... I mean, right now, I guess with, like, ADR, they can be re- rewriting and re-recording dialogue for ADR and stuff of that sort. But it's like... There's a lot of sort of dialogue punching up that goes on while you're actually shooting. Uh, so I'm g- curious if this is just going to be a lot of more, a lot more ADR work on the background, and just to cover some of the stuff they couldn't do while they were uh, shooting. Yeah. So let's dig into all of this, Lauren. Um, and I think, you know, for people listening, we'll kind of stick with our same ground rules that we've had for the entire podcast. So that means, you know, we're not going to talk about major book spoilers at this point. We're going to be talking about like the trailer from what I call a show perspective. So that means anything that has already been depicted on House of the Dragon thus far. Anything that's been talked about in the press or in interviews at Comic-Con, that kind of thing, that's all fair game. Um, we may allude to some elements from George R. R. Martin's books if we think it helps set up who certain characters are. But beyond that, we're just going to save all of the spoiler conversations until a little bit later. Um, so let's kind of start with what we kind of remember from the season one finale that we think is going to have a pretty big impact on season two premiere. Um, obviously. Lucerus Valarian died in the jaws yep. of Vagar. <laughs> um, and Lauren, you and I talked about it on previous podcasts about the whole decision um, to make that an accidental death with Amy yeah. kind of losing more, control. More of an oops than an actual, like, you know, oh, whoops, my dragon got out of control, you know, like a 
um, a mean dog or something of that sort, rather than <laughs> Eamon really just chasing a child through a storm and trying to kill him. So yeah, and then I think the other big takeaway from the season one finale is that you know before all that chaos happened, um, Damon Targaryen was kind of floating the idea of attacking Harrenhal, um, which mm-hmm. is something that occurs in the books. And so I feel like if we're looking at the season one finale, almost like a pilot for season two i feel like that's pretty fair game to say yeah that that will kind of kick off things anything else from the season one finale that sticks out to you lauren when we think of season two well i remember uh that before luke died uh that rainera was really trying to sort of seems like trying to keep a lid on things a little bit like you know didn't didn't really want the whole everything to just spin out into war and then uh, there was that that really dramatic scene from when she was turning turned away from the fire and she was just staring at the camera and you're like, oh, this is the Black Queen. This is she is out for vengeance now. You know, any any I mean, because, you know, the thing that we did see in the first season, her and Allison were actually very good friends at the beginning. But through a lot of betrayals and misunderstandings, they just wound up sort of on different sides. And that, I think we just sort of saw that, like, whatever sort. And, and, and right before the finale, they had that that meeting uh, before Viserys died, uh, where they were trying to sort of patch things up and just seeing how it just spirals sort of wildly out of control, uh, you know, once once Viserys dies and they try and crown Aegon and, and uh, you know, all of this, and then Luke dies and all this other stuff. So it's basically like, you know, fire and blood and we're in it now. And she is not going to hold back, I think. Yeah, I mean, we get that kind of great opening shot of Rhaenyra staring out over the water as Otto Hightower admits errors were made in the hours yeah. following King Viserys' death. And my my first reaction to that was, no shit. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, and it basically, it looks like she's looking out over Storm's End where Luke died. Uh, so she's, uh, someone I think I read was suggesting maybe she's looking for Luke's body and Arax's body. It definitely, you could see that she is in grief. And yeah, Otto was like, yeah, Otto, duh, <laughs> you just killed her son. And this ratchets up the stakes quite dramatically, you know? Yeah. This isn't just like someone on the blacks. This is her actual son. Yeah, and we know from the book how certain characters are are said to have reacted um, yeah. when uh, on both the blacks and the green side. However, the show, as we've watched, as, as we've seen clearly in season one, is kind of remixing elements in their mind. They're setting the story, their historical record straight of what really happened. Mm-hmm. If we're kind of going taking that at face value, um, I kind of have an inkling that Amond is going to come in and pretend like he meant to kill. Luke all along because I don't think someone who has been eyeing the Iron Throne as long as he has would admit that he fucked up in such a historic (laughs) way that would you know I mean he has uh, he has uh, quite a reputation uh, as being one of the most uh, and, and I think it's interesting what the their show is sort of setting up between Aemond and Aegon 
where Aemond uh, kind of really thinks that, you know, he should be the ruler rather than uh, Aegon, who, as we saw in the first season, is really just a piece of crap. <laughs> like, he is raping maidens and the servants. He is hiding when they're trying to make him king and all sorts of stuff. He is not, he is, a, as they say, the bad side of the coin when you, you know, when a Targaryen is born. He definitely landed on the bad side. Um, so I think it'll be really interesting to see Aemond, uh, and that, that sort of tension between the two of them. And there is that shot of Aemond in the, uh, in the trailer where he is eyeing the Iron Throne. And I, I'm kind of interested to see how they're going to kind of tease out those threads. Cause the, the, the one thing that we do say about Fire and Blood is that it is a very short, I mean, the, the, the part of the Dance of the Dragons that is in Fire and Blood it is like 60 pages long. So there is a lot of areas that they can kind of write out and, and, and fill out that aren't really on the pages. So I'm interested to see how they tell a deeper story here between those two. Mm. And we get a few more shots after this, one of Aegon ascending the Iron Throne and mm-hmm. everyone in court bowing to him. It definitely looks like that he has adopted new Targaryen sigils, which is on par for the book. Um, yeah. Were there any other kind of big details about Aegon's big entrance? Or the moment right after, which really is, which is Daemon sort of in full armor and he kind of feels like he's on the warpath right now. Yeah, that's what if you like kind of look at the cut, uh, you know, you see uh Aegon walking in and he's wearing I believe he's wearing Aegon the Conqueror's crown because uh Rhaenyra has Viserys's crown and which is a bold a bold statement for someone to just claim Aegon the Conqueror's crown and um you know he comes in and then it cuts right to basically Damon armoring up in that fantastic Targaryen armor that he has and it looks a little bit different than it did the first season uh and him sort of going off into battle so it really does sort of set the stage that, you know, Aegon, you know, he has the Iron Throne right now, but how long is he going to keep the Iron Throne? It, and, you know, how long are the, the Greens going to be able to stay in King's Landing? So Yeah, I mean, it's a very valid question. And, you know, the trailer makes clear that there are going to be some key battles coming up. Um, we get, a, you know, one shot of um, a war camp uh, flying mm-hmm. Rhaenyra's banners of the red Targaryen dragon. Um, we see a shot of soldiers from House Hightower marching, and we already know that actor Freddie Fox is going to be portraying Sir Gwen Hightower. And that is Otto's son, Allison's brother. We haven't seen him yet on the show, but he's going to be coming in. Um, and according to Fire and Blood, Sir Gwen is a knight and second in command of the City Watch at King's Landing. Um, I feel like that's kind of a good, without getting into spoilers, right? Should we, should we <laughs> mention anything else about <laughs> Sir Gwen here? Um, uh, the one thing I was remembering, didn't he, didn't Damon unhorse him in like the first episode? Or am I thinking of another high tower? Cause I remember Alicent, uh, when, um, when, uh, that first battle right before, uh, Rhaenyra's mother died in childbirth when they're watching it and Damon's kind of just, you know, unhorsing everyone here and there. Uh, and, and then I, I do remember he, I think he unhorsed a high tower. <laughs> I can't remember if it was going or not. Yeah, but. no, that's a, that's a really great point. He, de- mm-hmm. he, Damon definitely unhorsed, um, a high tower, but in the book it's mentioned that Sir Kristen Cole is the one, um, to unhorse Gwen. But if they remixed it for the show, I mean, I guess it 
kind of makes sense for what they're going for in terms of that Damon Otto, you know, head bashing um, yeah. to make it so that Damon unseats Gwen. I don't know. It's been about a year, but I, I remember the High Terror got unseated, <laughs> but I couldn't remember quite who was the one who unseated him. But then we can uh, start talking about everyone's famous, F, uh, everyone's favorite, or maybe not favorite F-boy, uh, Kristen Cole, who <laughs> makes an appearance in the trailers. I know. Oh, God, there seems to be sort of a lot going on. Like, what do you, in terms of the battle sequences that we see, what do we think this is? I mean, we do see certain sigils. Um, I clocked House Stokeworth, mm-hmm. um, which is the lamb. Um, it's a little bit different than I believe than it is is represented in the books um kind of like a, a a number of sigils that have minor tweaks to them and sort of this prequel chapter um i believe the other house that i clocked that sigil with like the two what do you call them the upside down arrows the red yeah <laughs> Ro- rosby i believe rosby house rosby yeah it seems when i and i tried to go through the trailer very slowly it basically seems like uh what you can tell is that the war is spreading out very quickly because it's like we saw a shot of the riverlands it looks like we are over uh in the sort of uh the Ray Joy's area where like it, it seems like, and then we got a shot, which is clearly the North cause it was all snowy. So it, it does basically seem like this war is spiraling out quickly. Cause like right now it's just kind of between Quint King's landing and Dragonstone, which are relatively close to each other, but um, it is going to start sort of spiraling into the various sort of areas that we remember from game of Thrones, like the Riverlands, which was sort of house Tully and, you know, well, I think what people will start seeing or they're going to start hearing names they're familiar with and houses that they're familiar with. And you're going to see sort of some of the forebearers of the people that we know in Game of Thrones. Uh, so uh, but yeah, like the, I, there were some sigils that we did see, of, I think, sort of sort of lower houses that weren't there weren't sort of like the sigils of the big, great houses that we know. But you also have to recall, like at this time, some of the houses are, are different than what they are later on uh, in Game of Thrones time, because some houses just kind of die out and other houses come to power and that kind of stuff. Yeah. I mean, one thing I remember Ryan Condal telling EW in various interviews is that season two is going to feel a lot more international, yeah. um, going all the way to the north, sticking with King's Landing and kind of everyone in between. And that's kind of another thing that the season one finale kind of set up, which was that both sides, the Blacks and the Greens, were sending out ravens, sending out envoys, mm-hmm. um, messengers to just kind of rally their banners and see where the rest of Westeros is going to side with. Um so it very much seems like there is an immediate immediate moves <laughs> are yeah. happening in that regard um, right off the bat, I believe, in season two. Um, a small detail that I kind of loved is that shot of Rhaenyra that we get. It's sort of at the end of Alicent's um, kind of dynamic quote where she says, you know, the war will be fought, et cetera, et cetera. Mm-hmm. But Rhaenyra has this great shot where she looks a lot like Danny and like it's very Danny outfit with like the two silvery dragon heads on both sides of her shoulders she has the crown on her head she's really looking like you know her moniker the black queen <laughs> yeah yeah she looks like she looks and and we know we had you know Rhaenyra had some issues in the first season you know, I think there was always that question of was she really the true heir and this and kind of stuff and, you know, feeling like she was sort of getting shut out of power. But here it's like she is fully in her queen mode. She's in her queen regalia. She's wearing that crown. 
you know, she, she really does, uh, you know, speaking of, she does look, there are, are really a lot of, there's a couple of different callbacks to Daenerys uh, here. Uh, and there's one real shot of um, a little bit later on, we'll talk about it. There was one shot where I was like, oh, that's, that's a Daenerys kind of <laughs> shot, you know, completely. So it'll be interesting considering, um, you know, Daenerys is rather controversial and how much they're going to evoke Daenerys here. And I'm also interested, like, you know, how much they'll evoke something someone like Jon Snow and that kind of stuff. Because he is a Targaryen as well. Uh he, you know, he's also a member of House Stark. So <laughs> I'm, I'm I'm curious to see how much they'll sort of tr- tie that kind of stuff in. Mm. So we get a few more shots, um, a few more shots of the battlefield, kind of things to come. We see Sir Kristen Cole beheading someone, which we'll mm-hmm. get into a little bit later. And then we get this shot of a young man looking up at the sky and seeing what I believe is sea smoke flying across uh, over the clouds. Um, I be- Isn't this Adam of Hull? Don't we think this is Adam of Hull? I believe that was probably Adam of Hull because um, what we haven't really talked about, uh, they mentioned it last season, but the dragon seeds. And do you want me to explain the dragon seeds? Yeah, uh, absolutely. Yeah. So basically the dragon seeds are something from uh, the book. Uh, currently, uh, you know, the blacks are on Dragonstone all most of the dragons are there are still some dragons in king's landing but most of the dragons dragons that there are dragons that uh their previous rider has died and they don't currently have a rider either because someone's too young or no one has claimed them yet we've and there's some really important dragons there's king jaharis's dragon uh is without a rider currently and a couple of other uh, well-known dragons that previously had riders are on dragonstone without riders and so there's this thing these people call the Dragon Seeds, which is basically considered bastard members of House Targaryen, suspected uh, members of past kings, past Targaryens who have illegitimate children, but they do have the blood of the dragon. And so what we will see is some of these characters will become dragon riders. And uh, so uh, the one question, though, that I have about Sea Smoke is usually you can only... A dragon can only be uh, 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 taken or, or sort of bonded with once their original rider is dead. But Laenor, as we know, who was uh, Rhaenyra's first husband, is not dead. And so I'm curious if they're going to address that somehow because, uh, you know, Sea Smoke uh, is supposed to get a new rider, but that was because Laenor was really dead in the book. So I'm kind of curious how they address that because. If, you know, because like the bonding between a dragon and its rider is sort of a very sort of mythical, mystical kind of a thing. So I am curious how they're going to kind of address that. And if it'll be like, you know, if Sea Smoke has kind of some trouble bonding or that kind of stuff. And, you know, I am just kind of curious about that. Yeah, no, the show has clearly been trying to develop a little bit more the mythology of, you know, dragon rider and dragon and that bond. And I believe even Ryan Condal said something along the lines of, you know, it is almost like a psychic kind of connection. So that it's it's a very great question that you raise, Lauren. Mm -hmm. And I, too, am very interested to see how that plays out. Um, I mean, in terms of Adam of Hull, um, I think without getting into spoilers at this point, but just kind of table setting who he is, um, he's a pretty important Valarian in terms of the storyline of The Dance of the Dragons. Um, he's being portrayed by Clinton Liberty in House of the Dragon Season 2. Um, 
Alan is the brother of Alan, or no, Adam is the brother of Alan <laughs> of Hall. Oh my God, we're getting into another twin. <laughs> another... The, the Eric versus Eric Cargles yes. of the, yeah. Correct. Um, so Adam is the brother of Alan of Hall, who has already been cast, and he's portrayed by Abubakar Salim. Um, I hope I got his pronunciation right. Um, so yeah, there are two kind of crucial Valarians, and I think it's safe to say, you know, when we're talking about the idea of dragon seeds, um, that both of them are kind of may or may not be involved in that. Mm-hmm. At, they're, at the very least, we can say they're involved in sort of, um, you know, the Blacks need more dragons, and they need people to mount those dragons. And I yeah. think we can say Adam and Alan are two characters that kind of play into that. Yeah, the one thing is, like, they I think they currently have more dragons and dragon riders, but the Greens have Vagar, which is, as we saw in the trailer, a massive dragon, and is uh, one of the only dragons that still has survived the the conquering of Westeros. And he is, as, he is a fearsome beast, so <laughs> you're gonna need some uh some uh you're gonna need a lot of dragon power to take that one down so that's just one where it's like you know they might have more dragons but the greens have a very big dragon on their side yeah (laughs) so i'm in terms of another piece of season two casting that i'd love to talk about with you is the Mm -hmm. casting of actor tom taylor um who played or who was jake and um that god awful the dark tower movie um <laughs> i never saw it i mean it was kind of it was kind of terrible but that's a whole uh-huh. other story anyway he is back and he is playing Cregan stark who is the current lord of winterfell and he's the son of rickon stark who we saw in season one episode one of house of the dragon swearing fealty to a child rain era um and her future claim to the throne um, what do, what is really exciting for you, Lauren, about seeing seeing Cregan Stark and getting to see Jaceres Targaryen in the North and this whole storyline? Well, I mean, we spent so much time. I mean, really, Game of Thrones is really sort of the major story of how Stark and how they sort of survived that whole conflagration. So seeing sort of and and the thing is like with the you know uh, the Lords of the North and especially the Lords of Winterfell, they were kings in their own right. Uh, and so it's always just sort of, it, it's fascinating to see sort of the forebearers of the, all, all of the Stark house. And I'm very curious to see like, uh, what Cregan is going to be like and what he's like, what role is he going to play? Is he going to have that sort of same sense of, uh, doomed nobility that Ned Stark has? Is he going to be slightly more wily, like Arya Stark? Like, you know, what, what kind of a Stark are we getting here? So that's kind of, uh, that's, I'm a little bit curious about that myself. I'm also curious if there's any of the sort of warging powers that we've seen, any of those uh, interesting traits from House Stark. Yeah, I I think I'm really excited to get the show's perspective on what exactly happened when Jaceres flew north and met Mm -hmm. with Cregan Stark. Um, This is one of the events in the book that, you know, Fire and Blood plays with historical accuracy and has multiple sources saying what they think really happened. and you know just in terms of what he did there his relationship with Cregan maybe his relationship to somebody else at Winterfell who knows so I'm really interested to see like where all of those puzzle pieces kind of fall in the grand scheme of things um and then we get to this shot of Rhaenyra on a beach with her dragon in the background and she's meeting with somebody and their dragon 
we've talked about this outside of the podcast, but let's have that conversation again here. Who do we think this person is that Rainier is meeting on the beach? I have been trying to figure it out. Like I've been looking at the dragon. I've been trying to look at the size of the person she's meeting with. The one thing is like, we know that when uh, Rhaenyra sent off Luke and Jace, she was basically like, you're, you are not to be fighting. You are not to be fighting. You, you are just emissaries. You are not warriors yet. You're too young that, and that kind of stuff. So I am curious if like this is her sending off her youngest child, uh, who was still very young at the time, or if this is one of the dragon riders pledging fealty to her. It's a very striking image, but it's so far away. You can't quite, you're sort of like, which dragon is that? I can't <laughs> tell. You know, my dragon identifying skills are slightly rusty from uh, the past year. Or so uh, what did you think of that shot? Um, well, I, this was your theory. So I'm just repeating your theory back to you, (laughs) but sort of the idea that maybe this is Adam of Hull on sea smoke, kind of maybe swearing fealty to Rainier aside. Um, But yeah, it's kind of, at first I thought, Oh, is, is this kind of like the key money shot of Rainier and Aegon sort of meeting one final time before all hell breaks loose. But I don't think it's that, it doesn't really look like Sunfire. Um, Sunfire's supposed to be gold and, you know, this, that, and the other. Um, so, yeah, I mean, I, I just love the shot. I think it's so yeah, great. it's a great shot, you know. I mean, that's I think that's one of the things about that I love about um, both Game of Thrones and House of the Dragon is that we get these sort of like crazy sort of mythical shots. And, it, you know, it, it's just like sort of sometimes it's sort of stuff that looks very much out of a fairy tale. Like when you're, you know, when you're talking about dragons, it always gets like that. But I remember that shot. There was that sort of great shot during the battle between Aemond and Luke where Vagar, like through the clouds, Vagar was over top of uh Luke's dragon and then just the little lightning shot and you just saw how big Vagar was in comparison. Um, so it's just like sort of like these kind of like tableaus that are always sort of, you know, they're just sort of so striking and you just kind of realize, you know, how big these these creatures are in the world that they're uh, uh, in the world of Westeros and why uh, they they helped the Targaryens rule for so long. Yeah, no, absolutely. So in terms of the rest of the trailer, there's a bunch of stuff that I want to talk to you about, but more so in the spoiler section. So we can really just have an open conversation about it. But before we get into that, there are two things that I wanted to point out. One, which is Bela on Dragonback. It looks like she's getting into the skirmish of things. And then two, it's a very brief shot. It's of a woman with kind of looking up at the sky and it seems like a lot of ash and soot is kind of swirling around her. I, I thought this was um, Gail Rankin, who plays Alice Rivers in House of the Dragon starting in season two. And this, I wanted to bring this up because Alice is such an interesting character, much like Masaria mm-hmm. in, slash the White Worm. Um, both of these women are talked about, you know, in various ways. Everyone thinks you know, they have the right idea about who they were. Uh, Alice was a wet nurse at Heron Hall. Um, some of them liken her to like a sorceress and maybe delves in the mystic art arts and, you know, may, they don't can't really pinpoint her age, though they say she kind of looks younger than maybe she should be, given the fact that she's been a wet nurse to everyone at Heron Hall for <laughs> years and years and years. Um 
I would love it if this if they went sort of the enchantress route with her. Um, but this is a character um, that we can talk a little bit more about in the spoiler section. Um, but I, I'm curious to hear from you, Lauren. Like, do we think this is Alice Rivers in the trailer? Um, if not, who else could it be? Um, but if it is, like, what are you most excited to see about this character on the show? Well, I, I think the shot that we're looking at, I'm not sure if I'm looking at the same shot, but I thought it was Helena Targaryen, but maybe it wasn't. But Alice Rivers is very interesting. Uh, she's a very interesting character. And that's like the one thing is like, I, uh, the one, I mean, I did overall really like this first season of House of the Dragon, but Missario was, I was, I'm hoping they have reworked that accent if she does pop up again. Uh, so, but I am curious to see Alice Rivers and uh, because she was one of those characters in the book where it was like, there were m- a, like a million different takes on her, a million different rumors, a million different tales. Uh, so I'm very curious to see what, uh, what the real actual deal is with her. Is she going to be someone a little bit like Melisandra who is you know, is a true sort of witch uh, or, or, or sort of a mystical, uh, you know, uh, uh, able to wield the powers of like magic. Uh, or is she just someone that, you know, is just a tricky female character that uh, a lot of people decided to tell tales about. So I'm very kind of curious between her, uh, like what the backstory is with her. And uh, again, some of the relationships she uh, conjures with, uh, or creates with uh, some of our most important characters. We'll talk a little bit more about that in the spoiler section. But We're going to take a short break, but when we return, we're going to be digging into all of the Juicy Book spoilers and how it relates to House of the Dragon Season 2. Stay tuned. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. And we're back. And for anyone listening in, this is, we are now officially in sort of the book spoiler section. We're going to be openly talking about elements of George R. R. Martin's fire and blood in terms of the trailer and what we know for a fact or just like really think (laughs) we're going to see happen in House of the Dragon season two moving forward. Um, So jump, this kind of perfectly jumps off of what we were talking about with Alice Rivers. Um, but I think the invasion of Hall and the taking of Hall is, like we kind of mentioned earlier, going to be a big aspect really early on in this series. Um, Alice is a big part of that. Um, this is a character that uh, the book claims that uh, Daemon Targaryen um, had something going on with her, maybe. <laughs> um, at the very least, he was endlessly fascinated by her. Um, but we don't know too much more about what transpired between the both of them. So very interested to see that play out. Um, we also have casting of Simon Russell Beale playing Sir Simon Strong, who is currently, you know, the current charge of Hall and sort of um, the other Strong's absence, our favorite Strong, Foot Strong. <laughs> oh. Laris is, uh, yeah. 
I'm curious what what Laris is going to what interesting things Laris is going to get up to this season. Considering he was one of those characters that in the book I didn't really think much about him, but he they they definitely made him a lot more interesting in the show. So I am curious about some of these people that have been cast, like that they they sort of just sort of mentioned in the book, but like they they aren't really you know they 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 aren't huge parts of it. So I am kind of curious. Uh, what disturbing things uh, is Laris going to come up with this time? Yeah. <laughs> so, Lauren, just given the fact, you know, given what we know about the Dance of the Dragons from the book and given what we've seen in the trailer for House of the Dragon season two, what do we think is absolutely going to be shown in season two? It definitely looks like, I mean, it definitely looks like Damon's uh, sort of attack on uh, Harrenhal. And Harrenhal, obviously, has a big, long history in Game of Thrones. Uh, you know, uh, there was the tourney of Harrenhal that sort of helped kicked off uh, Robert's Rebellion. And that's where Rhaegar and Lyanna uh, met and where baby Jon Snow eventually came from. Uh, Arya spent a long time there with Tywin Lannister. So it is going to be interesting to see sort of old Harrenhal again. And um, if it continues to be as cursed as it has been, um, it definitely looks like Matt Smith is uh, Damon's leaving uh, Dragonstone and he is going to start uh, sort of charging through um, the Riverlands and that kind of area. So I definitely think we're going to see that. Yeah. I mean, one battle that uh, came to mind, especially when I was seeing the footage of the battlefield sequences and the trailer is sort of the battle of the burning mill. Yeah. Um, in the book that precedes uh, the taking of Heron Hall by Damon. Um, and it's sort of like this fight between House Bracken, House Blackwood. Uh, I believe like one, the the sigil of the red pony. Um, we yeah. see it on in a shot of a young man like whipping out his sword really quick towards camera. Um, and so House Bracken is very much involved in that particular battle. Um, and it's sort of like, I, I believe it's because everyone was away fighting this battle, it kind of left Heron Hall unattended for the most part, which allowed for Damon to kind of take yeah. control over there. Um, so I feel like that's definitely going to be a part of it. Um, but I feel like it's, it, it kind of reminds me of how they did it um, in House of the Dragon season one was sort of like the trade routes and the battle of the three sisters, like that yeah. kind of whole area where it's sort of like, it kind of feels like it's off in the periphery happening, but it's still the events of that still have a very big role to play in the events to come and a big ripple effect. Um, should we talk about blood and cheese? Yes, I think we should probably. Cause that's, I think this is probably going to be <laughs> the bloodiest and goriest uh, I, I mean you know uh, uh, House of the Dragon and Game of Thrones are always a little bloody and gory but this is really it's a key moment and it's also going to be a very uh, a very almost Red Wedding-esque kind of moment I think yeah, so, uh, so for the season so we're talking about this one particular shot of a bearded man holding a knife um, to Helena's throat Um and so that very much seems like either blood or cheese who mm -hmm. are assassins in the book. I mean, this is, and we've been mentioned it at the start of this podcast, sort of the aftermath of Lucerus's death, 
you know, what's going to happen. And Damon always being the hot headed piece of shit that he is. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> the charming hot headed piece of shit that he is. Um, he is going to want retribution. And so blood and cheese are a big factor in that retribution. And I mean, I'm kind of interested to see how, viewers of the show who don't necessarily keep up with the books are going to take this particular moment. Do you think people are ready for it, Lauren? I don't know. It is, it's a pretty, uh, it's a pretty brutal uh, moment, but it is really like uh, once Luke dies, it's basically all holds off. Uh, the gloves are off. Yeah. Gloves are off. They want vengeance. They, you know, it's a, a son for a son basically here. Um, and uh, there are a lot of extra sons just laying around here. So, uh, uh, so it, it is, it is probably going to be, I think a pretty brutal, uh, thing. The one thing I am interested, cause this, this is something that involves uh, Helena Targaryen, uh, how much we sort of saw in the first season that Helena seemed to be one of the Targaryens who was visited by visions and prophecy. So I am very curious how they're going to use Helena to, uh, with that kind of stuff. And especially after the whole incident with, um, uh, uh, the specific incident, uh, how her potential madness is going to manifest and how it's going to, you know, what it's going to prophesize about what's going to happen. Yeah. I think that other shot too, that we get in the trailer, it happens a little bit earlier, but it's of Alicent sort of dressed in all white. It looks like like on the, yeah, I was trying to, I kept looking at that one and I was just trying to figure out exactly where in the book that was or where, where in Westeros that was. Cause that wasn't, uh, that was like one of those ones where I was like, that's an interesting shot, but I, I couldn't quite figure out where exactly she was. If I had to place money on it, I would say this is after the blood and cheese moment. And yeah, she that is, would make sense. And she's like stricken with grief about what transpires and she's dealing with that. That's yeah. where I'm placing my money on. Yeah, yeah. Because I mean, honestly, it's like um, once this battle starts going, it, you know, and, and, and once it really start, kicks off, it, it it's really going to take its entire toll on this house. So whatever she thought she was doing about pushing Aegon to the fore... Uh, you know, everyone's going to pay a price for this. And it's like no one's going to get off easy in it. it. That's the one thing. One other aspect to the blood and cheese inclusion in this season is I'm really interested to see how they weave in Masaria because mm-hmm. I in the book, the blood and cheese... Um, or one of them, I can't remember specifically, but they say once they're kind of interrogated, like who hired you, who hired you? Um, And they say a whore hired them and that other people in the business, in the whoring business, the sex work, (laughs) no, the sex worker business, um, they say they only refer to this person as misery. And I feel like that's got to be Masaria, which to me makes it so much more interesting because as we know in season one of House of the Dragon, Otto Hightower hired somebody to burn down Masaria's house and hopefully try to kill her. But we know from season two casting that she's still alive. Yeah, Um, that she uh, managed to. uh, When you're dealing with someone like that, you can't just think burning down their house is going to take them out. They they have, you know, they have multiple houses, probably, and multiple hiding places and all sorts of things of that sort. And also, they probably know it's going to happen because people are whispering at them. So, you know. 
And we do know Damon and Masaria have a very close relationship. So I'm sure if he went to her and was like, hey, I need two assassins to avenge yeah. the death of Luke. I'm sure she, after that house fire, I'm sure she would be more than thrilled to help him in that and as And as we've seen, there are many ways into and out of the Red Keep. And not everyone in the Red Keep is aware of all of those ways in and out of the Red Keep. Uh, moving on to another scene that we get in the trailer that I love to bring in book spoilers to talk about is this moment where we see Sir Kristen Cole beheading someone. Um, who do we think this is? What do we think is the context of this scene? Do you have any theories? I know that I remember that uh, there was some sort of forced taking of the knee uh, and that Kristen Cole was involved in that where it was like certain houses were like, no, we pledged fealty to Renera. That's who we're going to. And there was, well, if I cut your head off, you know, and so I think this is one of those things where it's going on, where it's either someone who refused to kneel or he's trying to convince somebody else that you're going to have to kneel or I'm going to cut your head off and that kind of stuff. So I, I think it's going to be interesting to see a lot of these other houses who get drawn into this thing that a lot of them are not necessarily, uh, you know, super passionate about like maybe Aegon or super passionate about Renera, but they just sort of get forced into uh, supporting one or the other. Yeah, I, I totally agree with you. I think it's exactly that. Mm-hmm. Um, and one distinct detail that I noticed in that shot of Kristen is that he's wearing kind of a chain around his neck. And I remember, as you might as well, sort of in Fire and Blood, you know, Aegon at one point is so frustrated with Otto Hightower because he's tired of fighting this war with pens and quills and yeah. ink. He wants to fight it with swords. And so... In his frustration, he strips Otto of his rank as Hand of the King and gives it to Sir Christian Cole. And it's a the description in it is you know he takes um, uh, the chain of command, but in this case, it's like kind of a it could be a physical chain he's talking about and giving that to Kristen. That was where my mind immediately thought. Yeah, that that definitely makes sense, though. Honestly. Giving it to Kristen just it's like maybe Aegon's not really the best judge of character, <laughs> but I, I guess know. then neither was Renera considering what she did with the old Kristen. So I know. Uh, so uh, another uh, scene that I wanted to point out, and it is such kind of like a blink and you you'd miss it yeah. moment, but it's really it's either Sir Eric or Sir Arik just kind of swinging a sword. Yeah, I, I noticed it was one of the the Eric's or the Arik's, so... <laughs> but I feel like my theory is that maybe it's both, um, because there is a moment in the book, sort of in the back and forth of, you know, you know, son for a son, that kind of thing. Um, the Greens task, sir... One of them. Yeah. <laughs> the one of their son- <laughs> The Ricks. One of the Ricks. One of them. <laughs> their Ricks. The Ricks. Yeah. Their Cargill twin to go sneak into Dragonstone and either kill Rhaenyra or kill her children. So, and that leads to a battle between Sir Eric and Sir Arik. Yeah. Uh, it's, it's, like, of- it, it's like a minor Clegane bowl. Like, you know, how we yes. had <laughs> the house in the mountain. A much smaller version of it. But, you know, it'd be interesting to see that. But the Eric and the Eric thing was like, that works in a book. But when you start saying that and it's so close together, you're like, oh, that's like, you know, it's like one of George Martin, Martin's tricky little things where you're like, oh, this, you know, Eric and Eric. So, but we'll just call them the Ricks. They're going to fight. (laughs) The Ricks. They're going to fight. So. I love it. Thank you Mm -hmm. for saving me. It's been. (laughs) (laughs) 
Um, the an, another one, just kind of going through a lot of the shots that we see. So we we get a few shots of King's Landing kind of in turmoil. Like everyone's mm-hmm. freaking out, running as fast as they can. Soldiers are trying to get Allison Hightower into a carriage and get her out of there. I have my theory. I'm sure you do as well. It probably is the same theory. <laughs> like, what do we think? <laughs> what do we think is going on here? Um, it definitely looks like uh, King's Landing is coming. Uh, it either like it looks like King's Landing is coming under uh, some kind of aerial attack via dragon. And I was curious because it's like you see Bela on her dragon, then you see sort of it's like the the cuts are sort of really quick between it. So I'm curious about. Uh, if the blacks are um, are going to be laying siege uh, to uh, to King's Landing, and I am I'm curious, like uh, in terms of the uh, Queen Alicent's position amongst the people, and whether she's, you know, I mean, they're going to sort of blame her for what's going on, and like basically that just everything is just descending into destruction because before, you know, Viserys. You know, there was a long reign of peace. Uh, you know, there were some sort of minor skirmishes, but this is like kind of like there was a long reign of peace from King Jaehaerys and through Viserys. And now it's like the, the Westeros is sort of descending into war. So I am kind of curious how much blame she's going to get for this uh, whole thing. And um, so, but it, it definitely sort of looks like she is uh, she is under some kind of threat. Uh, from uh both either it looks like yeah i couldn't really tell if it was quite like the people who were attacking her or or, or, um but it did look like bala was attacking around king's landing i thought but just the way that the trailers got it might not be that trailer yeah just because this is the you know the book spoiler section i'm I'm happy to just kind of lay very specific things out at this point and hopefully those who want to remain spoiler free haven't been listening as far (laughs) in as this um I, I think, like, okay, so we know season two is going to be eight episodes. HBO yeah. confirmed that. Do we think it's going to end with Rhaenyra coming in on Cyrax and taking King's Landing? And that's why Allison is being rushed out in this that, scene? Honestly, that seems to me to be... that. That's why I was curious about... Because this war is not a super long war. It's only a couple years uh, that this year war runs. So I am kind of curious if we are going to see... The end of it is going to be Rhaenyra uh, getting to King's back to King's Landing because honestly, the person who is holding the throne is the you know the person who really is sort of like the true you know whoever's holding the Iron Throne is really the king or the queen that is the ruler. Um, so I am curious at that, or if they're going to try and drag it out a little bit longer um, because you know uh, I, and when House before House of the Dragon start it there was this big question is like was game of thrones just a a flash in the pan could this be replicated and you know house of the dragon did do very very well so i am curious if hbo is like yeah let's just keep this one going for a while like we're just gonna you know uh we're just gonna drag this out for as many seasons as we can um uh so I am kind of curious, like if they they would land on that, like her arriving at uh, at uh, King's Landing, or if they're going to push that off a little bit. What do you think? Yeah, I kind of feel like I I, I'm, I think it. I feel like I can imagine um, the season two finale being a close up shot 
of Rhaenyra with her crown sitting on the Iron Throne after taking mm-hmm. King's Landing, and that would be a nice kind of mirror companion shot to how yeah. se- the season one finale ended with that close up of her in front of the fireplace and grief stricken rage is building up all that jazz um that's sort of my thoughts but if that were to happen then a lot of other things yeah there need to happen yeah and let's talk about one of them which is i think a lot of these battle shots that we get um i believe it's Kristen cole running on horseback through the woods as kind of soldiers are in the thick of battle around him i have a feeling this is the battle of rook's rest Mm -hmm. which would also explain Vagar's sort of introduction, like coming out of, you know, hiding wherever he is. Um, And those of you who have read Fire and Blood, this is where Rhaenys and her dragon Maelys die. Mm -hmm. Um, And that is obviously a big moment (laughs) for the Dance of the Dragons. But that was when I was kind of like, I was trying to piece together all these different settings. Because they're all spread out through the whole duration of the trailer. But I I tried to pinpoint like familiar settings and things that sequences that maybe go together. And so I really feel like, you know, the fire that's rained down on these soldiers is Rhaenys on Maelys. And then Vagar comes out of nowhere and kind of enters the battlefield, which completely changes things. So that was my thought. What do you think about that, Lauren? I mean, that could very much, uh, very much be. But I would, I, I love Rhaenys was, I think, just sort of a standout in season one. She's such an interesting character. So I'd be really sad to just see her go. <laughs> but I understand, you know, there's certain things that have to happen. And uh, dragons have to start dying uh, for this to for for some of these b- big plot lines to go, so um, I I could very much see that happening. Uh, yeah, and I know that you know, and I know that we're we're not going to get out of this season without some some uh, relatively big deaths. So yeah, and that's just going to accelerate as the dr- dance of the dragons keeps going. You know. <laughs> Um, the last thing I wanted to talk to you about are some of the other new castings that we haven't talked about. Um, so with the trailer and with the confirmation of Adam of Hull and Cregan Stark, we also know that Jamie Kenna is going to be playing Sir Alfred Broom. Kieran Bew is going to be playing a man named Hugh. Tom Bennett is going to be playing Ulf. And Vincent Regan is going to be playing Sir Rickard Thorne. Um, Lauren, do you want to talk about any of these? Um, well, obviously, uh, I talked a little bit about the dragon seeds. Two of these uh, elf and hue are dragon seeds. Um, I was curious, like, we haven't heard, and book readers will know, we haven't, I don't think we've heard nettles yet. Um, it, you know, if I, I had not heard if nettles had been cast yet. So I am curious if that's sort of one of those ones they're going to save till a little bit later. Um, but yeah, elf and hue are sort of two of the key dragon riders. Um, and then Sir Arthur, uh, Alfred Broom has, did I say that right? Was it Alfred or all? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Alfred. Alfred yeah. Um, yeah. Like sometimes, you know, it, it winds up being like all or something. Like that. <laughs> 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 uh, sometimes you can't remember which way. Um, he winds up being very, sort of a very, uh, key player. A lot of these characters, uh, you know, the one thing is like, you know, a lot of some of these characters don't always stay on the side they start out on. And there's some going back and forths and, and some petty stuff going on as well. And people's, uh, you know, their, their own desires for advancement kind of, uh, get in the way of some of the, uh, overarching, uh, uh, 
overarching plans of the blacks and the greens. So this will be sort of interesting to see. I am kind of curious with a lot of these, there, there are these characters who they were mentioned in, uh, you know, they're mentioned in the book. They play key plot details, but they weren't to me like super, like they weren't the characters that really popped off the page for me. So I am kind of curious to see if this is going to be like another, these like characters that like Laris Clubfoot, like once they're uh, played by an interesting actor, uh, that they're going to kind of pop a little bit more uh, because I know, I remember that was just like one of the, like Matthew Needham in the first season kind of really popped where I didn't think he did so much in the book. So I'm kind of curious about that. What do you think? Yeah. I mean, I'm just, I, I, I think I totally agree with you. Um, mm. I think the one thing I just keep coming back to when I think of the trailer and kind of look at the whole thing is I go back to Allison's line, you know, many are going to die. Yeah, <laughs> and I think you know it's the time where if you're you have favorite characters, uh, maybe brace yourself. A yeah, little bit. yeah. <laughs> this is yeah. <laughs> there, there, a lot, there's a reason why the Targaryens didn't have dragons by the time of the Game of Thrones. So you know, this is really the sort of the most tra- tragic part of the Targaryen history. And and I think with that thing that's interesting about House of the Dragons, you see so many places where this whole thing could have been avoided, but it's just like the greed and avarice and desire for power amongst people just gets the better of them. Even, you know, when it just leads to pure destruction. So. Yeah. And then Rainey says that great line in the footage too. There is no war. So hateful to the gods as a war between kin and no war. So bloody as a war between dragons. Um, so I'm oh, ready. Yeah. I'm I'm ready for this. So yeah, let's do it. Fire and blood. <laughs> um, Lauren, before we end things, is there any other kind of big takeaways from the trailer or any specific scenes that you wanted to talk about? Um, mostly I just want it more because it's like it like the the footage of it. It's like supposedly like uh, it's like about a minute and a half, but there's really just like a minute of footage in there. So you just sort of see these little flashes, and you're like, oh, I just I want to see a little bit more. I want to see a little bit more. So because it's like a lot of it's like fast cutting and that kind of stuff. Um, so there are things where you're just like, I I I would just like a, a touch more right now. But you know, a teaser trailer, they're just trying to get you excited for it. So. Was there anything else in the trailer that you sort of thought that, uh, you know, oh, the one thing, though, that I did want to talk about, and I mentioned it a little bit earlier in the non-spoiler section, that shot of uh, of Rhaenyra on her dragon, where I thought she looks so much like Dany on her dragon, where it's like Rhaenyra in the book is kind of, she kind of doesn't get really into the battles a lot. So I really would be interested, like, I want to see her on Dragonback fighting for her crown and that kind of stuff. Cause like she was, she was mostly, they were kind of keeping her off her dragon, uh, you know, in the book. So I am kind of curious, like how, how like in the book that we didn't know that, uh, Rhaenys uh, stormed the dragon pit during Aegon's uh, coronation. I am kind of curious if we are going to there see there's some uh, some uh, Rhaenyra fighting that we didn't that was not uh, recorded in the book. I'm I'm kind of excited about that. Yeah, no, absolutely. I, I'm right there with you. Well, thank you so much, Lauren, for joining me once again on West thank of Westeros. Thank you for having me. 
Yeah. Uh, so anyone listening, Lauren is now a part of EW's extended family because <laughs> she no longer works with EW directly. Our uh, very large extended family at this point. So. Yes. So Lauren, where can people find you these days online? Um, I have kind of shifted away from Twitter. I, I still sort of lurk because most of the conversations are still happening there. I'm on Threads. I'm on Blue Sky. I'm still at Morglar. Uh, for those who had followed you before, uh, I seem to be hanging around Threads a little bit more than uh, maybe Blue Sky, but I, I am on both. I'm it's sort of like you know everybody like there's so many platforms right now, so I'm just trying to see which one is going to win. Um, and then whichever one wins, I'll probably post more, but I haven't been posting quite so much, but, uh, those are the two you can, those are the ones you can find me on. So I, I am trying to uh, switch off of Twitter, uh, because it just is becoming a cesspool, but, you know. <laughs> well, and as for West of Westeros, we'll be back again before you know it. I'm sure there will be loads to unpack in the new year. To be sure you don't miss a thing, be sure to subscribe to West of Westeros, wherever you prefer to listen to your podcasts. And hopefully I will be back in my special guest capacity to talk about things. 